Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi everyone, my name is Toby Daniels and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek and I will be serving as your host today for CMO Moves with the incredible Melissa Hobley, who is the global CMO for the dating app, OKCupid. Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on CMO Moves. Toby, thanks for having me. All right, let's start with a question about your own dating experience. Give us your best, worst, or funniest experience. I love talking about dating, Toby. I was single in New York City for uh, a long time. Let's see, I went to college in New York City. I got married in my early 30s. So let's say a good 12 years of singledom in this city. I have my fair share of stories. But I, I will tell this story before I worked at a dating app, I was known to be a good wingman matchmaker girl who will talk to the girl or the guy or the person that you don't really have the balls. You haven't any cocktails to talk to. I was definitely that person. And so my favorite story is I was, uh, I had to be dragged out this night in particular, one of those rainy nights in New York city. And for your listeners, 
raining in New York is a big deal because you're walking everywhere. You're like stepping in a toxic rain. It's a thing. And my, my girlfriend said, you are coming out, get dressed, get on some heels. We're going. And we were at employees only, which is still a great bar. It's always been a great bar, but it used to be like even a little bit better. And one of my girlfriends who is just always single and like such an awesome person, saw someone she was attracted to. I waited for her to go to the bathroom. I went up to this guy. I said, like, I'm with a really awesome person. She's so cool. You should absolutely get her a drink. And, and then I started talking to his friend because I'm like, I just hooked your boy up. I would like a martini. Thank you very much. I think he was so taken aback, but five years later, he asked me to marry him. So playing wingman works, playing wingman works. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. You scored yeah. the assist as well as a uh, future <laughs> husband. That's pretty impressive. That's right. They didn't work out, but we did. There you go. It's interesting. Yeah. New York City. I think I was single for a period of time in New York City. I think I still have a little PTSD from that experience. This is a little bit before the, the, the time of the dating apps, which may or may not have been like helpful to the situation, but it's certainly a unique environment in which to be single for sure. It is a unique environment, but I feel like when I tell people, cause I'm married with kids, but I'm on 32 dating apps around the world at the moment. Cause I need to know how they're working, what, what they're like, what, what the experience is like. And I feel like when I tell people I work at a dating app and I'm trying to convince them to get on the dating app, I have cred when I'm like, listen, I was single in New York city for 12 years. And like, oh, carry on wise mentor. Show me, I don't have all the answers for sure, but, but I've been there. It sounds like you, you have too. <laughs> Amazing. 32 different dating apps. Your husband must live like in a constant state of like paranoia. He, yes, but I'm also, he's on 32 because I like to swipe as a guy. So it's reciprocal. And some of the apps are maybe focused on queer dating. Some are, so he, I mean, he just finds it amusing and highly comical that I will be, I'm swiping and I'm very careful, obviously to not engage in like romantic conversations, but it is really helpful to understand dating culture around the world. And this is working at OkCupid is so interesting because we're a very popular dating app in a place like India where dating is brand spanking new and and it's still a culture of arranged marriage and it's fascinating to understand what it's like to date there and then to jump to berlin where we're like really hot to then jump to san francisco to then jump to london or istanbul or tel aviv where we're the number one dating app so it's really interesting to literally jump all over these countries and understand the language of how people are connecting and Look, I, we, we have a ton of ground to cover over the course of, of this conversation. I want to dig into a whole number of topics, starting with your career. And in a way, you've partly answered my, my first question, but I want to dig in even more. Given the roles that you've had over the course of your career, what was it that drew you into the dating world? And also, given, I'm sure, all of the opportunities and different apps that you could have potentially gone to and worked for, why OkCupid? Yeah, I was brought to OkCupid by a friend who knew they had been looking. What drew me to OkCupid, initially, I, honestly, I was like, I didn't realize they were an app that was like getting ready for a push. 
Like dating apps are, it is about liquidity and it's like a bar. You walk in and nobody's there. You're going to leave really quickly. And so you constantly have to be bringing people into the bar to have interesting conversations and teach them how to talk about themselves and all those things. What I loved about OkCupid was they had an actual legacy of taking a stand on issues and they had a, a history of being the first major dating app to create a good experience for LGBTQ. We're talking 10, 12 years ago, before, before everyone was doing that. And they were the app that was doing, I remember calling my friends that are queer LGBTQ plus, and they're like, oh, OkCupid was the only thing you had if you were a lesbian. OkCupid was the only way that I was able to date in Indiana where I'm from. And I loved that. I loved the history of taking a stand on issues, even when that wasn't popular, of not shying away from controversy. And those ingredients were really interesting. What I also liked about OkCupid, which was going to be a real effing challenge, was they never had a marketing team and they never had a CMO. And so how do you inherit like perception debt? And when you're out, when you're not out there talking about yourself and why you're interesting, why you should think about this dating app and a very, what has become a very competitive space and also the way to meet people. 50% of marriages are coming from, from a dating app. 70% of LGBTQ relationships come from a dating app. You ask anybody, any of your friends, oh, who do you know that's been in a dating app? And maybe half the people have met their current partner on a dating app. So I liked the idea of, of dipping into that. And I know that they would allow me to be bold and to do things that forget dating apps that I just wouldn't have the ability to do in other places, like a Trump filter, a pro-choice filter. Mm -hmm a campaign called DTF. I, 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 I get to flex creativity with real meaning and substance at OkCupid in a way that I will maybe never have again in my career. And that's what's so special. And it's not performative and it's not to just get attention for the sake of it. It is to tell people you're trans, you probably have a difficult time dating. I got you. We have over-invested in how the engineering and the technology can match you we have over-invested in how to make you feel affirmed the minute you step into our app and to feel like you're awesome, just as you are. Let's find someone half as awesome as you. Yeah, and I really want to spend more time talking about the culture of the dating environment and also dig into some of the really awesome campaigns that you guys have led, including the For Every Single Person campaign, which we, we covered here at Ad Week. And I just think it's just, just really super inspiring, of course, but just, I think also points to some of the kind of core values that like underpin OkCupid and, and perhaps what sets it apart from some of the other services that are available. Let's just spend a little bit more time talking about your career trajectory a little bit. Obviously, this is your first role, I believe, as a CMO. And what's it's always interesting to our audience is to understand the journey that got to got you to where you are and in particular I'm interested to know with regards to all those previous roles that you had in the build-up to this one how have you evolved as a leader over that time and and even since being at OkCupid how have you evolved during that period as well yeah so I started my career in PR. I, I worked at a, a small company that grew while I was there. It was a company called Shreen, um, called Coburn Communication. I remember one called Shreen Coburn and she was tough. And you were always, how are you getting better? How are you getting better? What's the angle? We worked with media brands. We worked with celebrities. We worked with beauty brands. PR is a tough field and it is such good training for going into marketing because you have 10 seconds to convince a jaded, bitter reporter 
this is a story. You have one hour to, to come up with that angle. You have um, to be graceful when a CMO was saying, this is the biggest thing ever. And you're like, it's not, but how do I make it that? What is the real angle here? So I, I loved PR. I learned so much from her and from that experience. But then I wanted to be involved in the product. PR is like at the tail end of, of a product cycle, right? You're not involved when it's a de in development. You're not involved when you're in the product testing. You're not involved in A-B testing. You're not involved in the advertising necessarily. So I had to either get my MBA or get an experience that was like an MBA. And at the time I, I was reading a book by this guy, Martin Lindstrom, who was arguably one of the leading brand building experts in the world. His book was a New York Times bestseller. I read the book. I gave it to a client. I was like, I think we should meet with him. I'm really overstepping. Like this guy is using the latest discoveries in behavioral economics to understand how we can be better marketers, better product creators. And my client was like, that's awesome. Let's do it. By the way, the client was Tyra Banks. She at the time had all these TV shows in development. She was being positioned as the next Oprah. She's a lovely human and loves and doesn't love the spotlight. And she was up for anything. And after we engaged with him, and again, I'm her PR person. So I was really going outside my lane. We engaged with him for a while. And I said to him, I think I want to come work for you someday. And he said, I'm starting a company. Why don't you join us? And that experience was in, again, in behavioral economics and, and in getting smarter and working with marketers at big brands, but it was a small company. So I got, I learned so much. My advice out there to people that are like on that career path or thinking of switching careers is just work with smart people. Don't worry so much about your title or your size. And if you cannot worry about your salary and if you have a family, that's much harder. But if you're younger, you can do that. I worked with people like Gary Singer and Donna Sturgis, who were titans of their industries. And, and while I was there, a team that I had worked with in my PR days at Boots, which you would know is a Brit, an iconic, iconic retailer, pharmacy, they were merging with Walgreens. They needed a team to help evolve front of store and grow their beauty brands like number seven. I had worked with them in PR days and they said, come on board and join this new team in New York. And I went to work there for four years. It was incredible. It was really a beautiful experience. And it's actually and not only is Boots an iconic brand and <clears throat> a brand that I feel very nostalgic towards, but I also continue to use their face moisturizer. It's a wonderful face moisturizer. And by the way, Toby, I was going to say you're looking very moisturized and your skin looks very healthy. So thanks to Zoom filters. Uh, <laughs> I wish Zoom filters could do more with my hair, but, yeah, but I'm, I, I appreciate that boots call out. And, and then coming to OkCupid was again, through relationships, right? We all know this, but you, if you stay open to those opportunities and those conversations, you never know what they're going to lead to. And here I am. I've been here four years now. Yeah, it's interesting. So you joined in 2017. I'm, I'm interested to know what, what did the marketing organization look like when you joined? And can you share some of the kind of career highlights, things that when you look back, you feel particularly proud of, or a, a particular sense of accomplishment in regards to what you've been able to achieve? Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. When I, the marketing organ, the marketing team was non-existent. The budget was non-existent. They did not have marketing. I think OKCupid, because they were one of the first, they were it was started by Harvard math grads who wanted to be able to use technology 
it was helping in every part of their life. Why isn't it helping me find someone to date or to marry or sleep with whatever you want? They, and that was enough for a long time because it was a small space and they were one of the, the kings in the space or queens, I should say. And, but then the space got competitive and what was amazing was they were going to let us do crazy things. They were going to let us be bold, but as long as that tied back to this product truth. And so I joined in the summer and we met with a couple of interesting people and we had DTF campaign live in January. So probably from like three or four months from our first meeting, we worked with Wyden and Kennedy on that campaign. We worked with Maurizio Catalan, who is one of the most talked about artists of today. He's just come back out of retirement. And I'm really proud of that campaign. The insight driving that was dating deserves better. And there's shit about dating that we need to change. And one of the things that you want to change about dating are things like DTF, which was a label that straight guys used on girls talking about, were they likely to sleep with them? Are they okay to sleep with them? And it was a derogatory label that frankly, usually you were not a part of. And so let's flip the meaning. Let's take the ownership back. The most beautiful example of that is a word like queer, which was a derogatory label, which that community reclaimed and now proudly uses it as their own. And so DTF was an incredible experience. It, it was a beautiful campaign that won lots of awards, which is really great. And by the way, we had a tiny budget. So relative to whenever I see brand campaigns winning awards, I'm like, that's really great, but do it with no money. And so I'm, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that because we didn't have, we had very little money, very little time to get that going. But the best thing was, is it, it began the comeback of OkCupid and it made us relevant again. And it drove all the metrics as a dating app. You look at things like app downloads, new users, engagement. Are you swiping? Are you swiping right? Are you sending messages? Are people talking about you in social media? And never had I been a part of a campaign where every morning I woke up and I saw post after post on, on Instagram of people saying, thank you. This is the first time I'm seeing lesbians in a romantic embrace on the New York fucking subway and in San Francisco and in Portland and in Austin and showing all the types of love and connection that are out there. So I was really proud of that. And that, that began OkCupid's moment of being really relevant and a part of, um, a part of culture again. Let's talk about one of your other campaigns that launched fairly recently. You sort of touched on it a little bit before, but I, I want to unpack it a little bit, particularly in terms of understanding what was the catalyst for kind of even thinking about and coming up with a concept and, and what drove the creative and obviously talk a little bit about, you know, the impact of this particular campaign. So for every single person which is the name of the campaign that celebrates the app's inclusion-minded functions. And I believe you rolled this campaign out in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Just to talk us through it and, and in particular sort of focus on the impact this campaign has had in the time that it's been running. Yeah, it's really interesting because dating apps had a very interesting time during COVID. And for OkCupid, engagement was very high, which was great. But then you saw people get vaccinated and, and we're a global app, we're, we're live around the world, we're millions of data around the world. The U.S. was starting to come back. You saw vaccination rates up. People were like getting ready to start dating. Cities were opening up. And so we said, we have to go back out. And how do we do that? And how do we do that quickly and be a part of the conversation? And Mechanism has been our partner of ours for a while. Jason Harris and the team there are incredible. And we've had so many conversations about what's happening. What do we want to say? What's interesting? You don't want to say like, you can date again. Dating's back again. That's interesting for a second. But I don't need to like, I don't want to build a campaign around that. And what was fascinating, Toby, was when we looked at who's talking about inclusivity in this space, people weren't talking about it in a big way. And they especially were not saying, you're non-binary, I got you. You're pansexual, I got you. 
non-monogamy is on the rise, especially with young, with younger daters. Okay, you want a place where the technology is going to support that. And so it got really, I can remember getting goosebumps in that meeting of saying, okay, and we have the product truth to do that. We have the, we do have the best algorithm and we have for a long time have figured out how to have make that a, a, a great experience with things like we have 23 gender options, 22 sexual orientation options. We let you choose up to five. We were the first major dating app to let you state your pronoun. We just rolled out gender ta- identity tags. So things like if you're LGBTQ, maybe you're bottom looking for a top. Like, the, by the way, this is going to be the, I, I hope one of your first podcasts that really might make you blush. That got really exciting. Maurizio Catalan, who shot our first campaign, we'd stayed in touch with, we had a wonderful relationship with his team, Pierre Paolo and the Toilet Paper Mag team. He has this like army of brilliant creative people that he works with. And I, I messaged him and was like, hey, do you want to work together again? He's like, we're in. And that was how it came to be. We have just rolled that out this week. So what's awesome is the response, the response of people saying pansexual is how I identify, by the way, if you're listening and you don't know what that means, that you might, you're probably familiar with bisexual, pansexual is I, I'm not attracted to you based on your gender orientation. It's about the person. Mm -hmm. And for people saying, I had someone say to me, I'm pansexual and it feels a little taboo and it feels a little fringe. And to see that, on a giant billboard brought tears to my eyes. And so I know we're hitting on something. We want to make all those communities feel welcome and like they have a place to date. And it's also a good way to get people to talk about us as you're thinking about coming back to dating again. First of all, it takes a, a lot to make me blush. I appreciate the effort. Second, it'll be interesting to see when LinkedIn jumps on board, right? And starts including all of these various different ways that you can identify through the actual process. I wonder if they'll ever support the idea of either being a top or a bottom. I doubt it, but I think that could be interesting. Let's talk a little bit about what's driving this though. So it seems to me that you as an individual leader, as the global CMO of OKCupid, but also in terms of the values that seem to underpin this organization, that you have this like moral and ethical barometer and sense of responsibility, particularly in terms of ensuring that dating is safe and also inclusive. So what's behind this? What is the driving force behind this? Yeah, it's a great question. And the idea is that we want to make that statement of everybody is welcome. And you want to make that connection that you will have a good experience here. And by the way, I also acknowledge dating is tough and dating is hard, no matter if you're an atheist, you're religious, you're pansexual, you're straight, whatever it is, dating is hard. And how do you make that a little bit easier and give people hope and give them, make them feel affirmed in who they are and what they want and who they want to date. And getting that message out there is really important. The opportunity to say something with some substance is what's cool. That's the opportunity. And to make those underserved communities and these individuals that feel fringe or feel taboo, to make them feel welcome is, is a really awesome opportunity. And the data proves that. There's an, there was an 84% increase in daters on OkCupid in just one year identifying as pansexual. So the data is showing us what's happening out there and what's happening with daters. And this kind of also, there's been, what we've also been talking about and getting a lot of press on is people bringing their beliefs to dating and that it feels a whole lot better if you're looking for something meaningful to be looking at profiles that say, 
this is what I'm into. This is like what I believe. I'm passionate about climate change. I work this morning. I saw an OKCupid profile. He's a lawyer for an HIV AIDS nonprofit in developing parts of the world. And um, isn't that hot? And how do we encourage people to bring your beliefs to dating? Bring your beliefs to dating because that is what's sexy. And also, by the way, that those are also important components of compatibility, right? If you think about like, you're really into climate change and doing what we can to protect the environment, you're not going to be compatible with someone that really doesn't give an F. Can you imagine every time you ordered food and they got the plastic and all the stuff and they just threw out all the plastic containers, like, what are you doing? Like, please don't get the plastic forks. Like I've got you. So those things are also important components of finding someone. Let's spend some time talking about the the future of dating. So as we've already talked about dating apps and also, I suppose, connected to them, social media, combined with the pandemic. These have all had a fairly sort of transformative impact on how we form new relationships. With all of the positives that you've touched on and talked about, particularly in regards to how OkCupid is creating safe and inclusive spaces for people to be able to meet, there are also some kind of like negatives associated to the role and impact that dating apps have had on 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 people's lives and on relationships and in particular I suppose one of the biggest criticisms is around how dating has become more transactional in the era of the the dating app so when you think about the future you think about okay Cupid's moral and ethical compass and how you want to continue to have a positive impact on the dating experience what are you looking at what are you concerned about and also what are you looking forward to Yeah. And let's be totally clear that there is bad behavior in dating and that has existed since the dawn of time. And most people don't love dating. These things are all true. And if we could figure out how to weed out the assholes, we'd be trillionaires. I, what may, we may be able to, to, we have really great engineers. We may be able to figure that out one day, but, and it really starts at the beginning. It starts with things like, I'm going to slow you down. I'm going to slow you down as you set up your profile. It takes longer to set up your profile on OkCupid than most other dating apps. And because of that, we're already weeding out people that are there for the ego boost of people swiping right on them. That is out there. So what I can first do is I'm going to slow you down. I'm going to make you answer questions. I'm going to answer questions about what you think you want, what you're looking for, what matters to you. I might ask you about, could you date someone that doesn't vote? By the way, if you were not voting in this past election, you were 70% less likely to get a message or how do you bring the substance to the app that makes people feel more connected that makes people feel more mindful that slows people down that makes them less likely to be flaky to not respond to the message to flake out encouraging people to make their profile photos things like being at the black lives matter march being at a protest you volunteer at an animal shelter every saturday Bring your whole self to, to, to the app, bring your whole self to your profile and the outcomes will be different. And when you no other dating app is matching you on a number of issues, climate change, gun control, reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, no other dating app is doing that. And I know that changes the atmosphere that it's in. Imagine if you walked into a nightclub and you were able to like, get an idea of what people were really into and what they believed they were passionate about, or it was just about looks. You change the whole tone and the whole environment. And that's where the opportunity is. For LGBTQ plus communities, 
a dating app is often the only way you are going to be able to connect and date. For my single parents out there, that is the only way you're going to be able to start to have some conversations before you get a sitter, change your job shift, figure it out. You have one night maybe to get away from the kid. These are real things. When you're single in the city, it's really easy to date. When you move past that, it gets a lot harder. And so those are the things that we also have to think about as a, from an experience perspective on how to make, make dating a better experience for everyone. But I also know that this works because I have all the wedding invitations and the Instagram posts and the baby announcements. I have all that to show for it. I'm really proud that we are bringing people together and cre creating love is an incredible thing that we do every day. And to do that for all types of people around the world is awesome. You know, as the global CMO of OKCupid, I can imagine your summers are just basically like one long wedding that you have to attend or feel obligated to. Okay, so this podcast obviously is for current and future CMOs, right? So we're interested to know what advice that you might have for our audience when you think about the skills that will be essential to be a successful CMO in the future? One skill is, is networking. And I don't mean that in like the obvious way of, oh, just know people and have them. I mean that in a sense of you right now, we are getting ready for a couple of big launches of this campaign in different parts of the world. So what I'm under understanding is tell me about the media market. Tell me are 20 somethings watching TV? Are they not? Tell me about the streaming opportunities. When you have relationships with other people that you trust, and by the way, that's no longer someone older and more experienced than you. That is now often the kid who was your intern, who's now at a PR firm in Berlin. That is being able to go to people to know what is happening. How are people connecting? How am I going to cut through? How am I going to get that person's attention? That's what I mean by the networking place, having people to go to, to ask, I have a group of CMOs that I'm really close with and without them and being able to kick things around and get honest feedback, I know I'd be in a worse place than I am today. That's a really important skill. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about sort of collaboration within the C-suite. What was the question that we, we love to ask anyone in the C-suite, quite frankly, whether it's a CMO or a CEO or whatever. And that is, what does collaboration look like within your organization, especially, obviously, among your other fellow C-suite colleagues? Yeah. So this is, OkCupid is the most exciting place for me from a collaboration perspective with C-suite. And that's because it's so immediate. And an example of that is OkCupid's questions are, is how you power the algorithm. You have to answer 15. We have over 3,000. But what it means is marketing is impacting product every minute. A great example of that could be when Tiger King was like the show of the moment, we quickly dropped in a question to OkCupid, are you binging on this? Is it overrated? I love it. I'm here for it. I can't wait for the movie. And so our, the product is this living and breathing thing where the, there's a huge election coming up in Germany. So we're now refining our questions to literally power the algorithm so you can I don't want to see people that aren't voting. I want to see people that these are the issues that matter to them most. And again, you can do that on pop culture, you can do that in places. So um, Marcus Lofthouse is a CPO at OKCupid and Ariel Sheridan is our CEO. And we're always brainstorming and able to come up with this sweet intersection of dating and politics and, and pop culture and all these other things. What we learned in the election was 
being a voter was a massive turn on. And that was because from a marketing perspective, we wanted to be able to go out and talk about these stories. From a product perspective, we could see it. We could see there was a 2000% increase in political terms on your profile. And again, that's awesome because it means people are bringing substance to dating. They are bringing like, this is what I'm into. This is what I care about. This is what gets me going. And it's just the most exciting thing. When I worked in beauty, obviously you're not impacting product because it was baked two years ago. You may impact product, but you'll see it in two years when you sell it into Ulta or Target or Neiman's, whatever, wherever you're selling it in. So that's just, an, it's an awesome collaborative experience here. Fantastic. All right. Final question for you, Melissa. If time and money were no objects, and also if you were not the global CMO, Cupid, what do you imagine you would be doing? If I wasn't, and I know you like to ask this question on CMO, so I did think about it. If I wasn't marketing, I, I'd probably be doing something with kids. I think I've always had a passion there. I work for this incredible nonprofit, Friends of the Children, which identifies in kindergarten kids who are in the most difficult, challenging circumstances and gives them a mentor their entire childhood. The slogan of this organization is 12 and a half years, no matter what. I joined the board after basically like, we need to level up the like nonprofit event here or the gala. I need to like, let's like make this a bit like we can go bigger. And, and I have a real, I would be spending my time in that space if I was not a marketer. I'd be marketing for them, but I get it. With, with, an, with an awesome outcome. Fantastic. Either way, you are impacting the world in really important ways. Unfortunately, this is all the time that we have, Melissa, but thank you so much for joining us on CMO Moves. Toby, thank you so much. I really enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues, and please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.